All very right. It's, it's nice, right? Welcome, welcome. Uh, welcome to uh, Mise en Scene Weekly. Uh, my name is Steven. I am joined by my co-host, Jonathan. And this is a podcast oh, where we discuss right. films. So uh, just wanted to say welcome. Uh, thanks for joining our podcast, listeners. Um, this podcast is a, a movie podcast where we discuss uh, two movies based on a topic, and we basically have to defend those movies and give points to why our movie uh, is better than the other one. Um, and eventually, we may have a guest uh, here and there, and so far, it's been very difficult finding some that I actually want to put forth the effort in to A, watching two movies in one week, and then B having to interact with these two fools that you're interacting with. Well, put to a point to that, a point to that is I don't, I don't, I don't think that the, the, the person or the jury has to watch any of the movies. They could go in blind and we just describe, but they should. Yeah. They should. I mean, I mean, mean, we're already in disagree. I think they should. I mean, this is kind of like, let's go all the way back 20 years ago. I, I was thinking about this when our disagreements started to exist. And I, I think when we were at the 2003 warp tour uh, and that, that I don't even know what to call it, but it was definitely a parking lot. And you decided that you wanted to go see motion city soundtrack. And I was like, I've got to go see saves a day. Uh, peace out. And, uh, or it may not even been saves a day at that point, but I did not go see motion city soundtrack with you. Um, but I am on fire today. So oh, that I'm yeah. on fire too. And you missed a great show, by the way, because uh, from my yeah. recollection, it was, it was fantastic in a swelter. Nobody recollects lot. anything from the warp tour of any capacity. So I don't believe that you 2004. Um, right. Was it four? So, I think it was three, but nonetheless. Yeah. yeah, whatever. It may have been four uh, actually. But yeah. Uh, well, like I said, I feel like if we do get a jury, that would be a big commitment for them to watch two films. They can just hear arguments and go from there. You know what I mean? That's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, that's one option. There's always one a option. second and third. Yeah. All right. So uh, today's episode, what are we discussing? So we are going to, to pit two movies, as we call Twist Endings, is the name of this podcast episode. And Twist Endings being movies that, uh, to be frank, we didn't want to just choose The Sixth Sense and, and kind of go from there. Uh, movies that, A, would challenge us to some extent, and B, um, how relaxed I am with not even turning on my lighting, but pit, pit them against each other, but try to be a little bit creative. So I chose for Steven, a movie that is dear to my heart, but I haven't seen in a, in a long period of time. And one in which I actually did want to watch recently and the same vice versa I goes for you, but why don't you explain uh, what you think is best about your movie and why you chose it? Well, okay, so the the movie that uh, Jonathan picked for me uh, was a movie that you know it's it's everybody knows knows it. I'm going to just go ahead and say it. It's Planet of the Apes. Um, but funny enough, I had never seen the original Planet of the Apes. This was my first watch of this movie. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll go into um, my my discussion of the movie soon. But it was. Uh, I, I mean, I had a blast with it and, you know, I've seen the, the Tim Burton remake or the follow-up or whatever. And then I've seen the, 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 the newer ones um, with Andy Serkis and, and the, yeah. the CGI and everything like that. And those are a lot of fun, but this one really, really captivated me. Um, and uh, I, I enjoyed it immensely. What about your movie? 
So I, I received, uh, very politely, The Wicker Man, or Wicker Man, um, which I believe there was a remake, which I haven't seen in like 2006. Maybe this was a Nicolas Cage flick. Yeah, I actually yeah, don't know much Cage. about the, new, the, 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 make, the remake of it, but I heard it's pretty terrible. Uh, but with that said, I mean, Wicker Man, not to get into the details already, but uh, the premise behind it, if you, if you don't already know, I guess I can give a, a quick little snapshot, is a sergeant, Sergeant Howie. Um, goes to a nice, lovely, or so it seems, island to research uh, as best as he can as a sergeant um, the case of a missing child, or so he thinks. Not to get into spoilers yet, but I guess the big forewarning here, this is a movie <laughs> podcast. Also, I don't think we should have spoiler alerts for 1968. Yeah, it's been movies. 50 years. But if you haven't seen it, that's your bad. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Exactly, uh, and I don't, and I, don't, I shouldn't have a spoiler alert, even apology. But yeah, so we have Wicked Man uh, pitting against Planet of the Apes. I uh, as well. I haven't seen either of these movies in a long period of time. Uh, you have, have you had, both, you had some both. both. Okay. Yeah, I've seen both. Good. Um, well, this was a first watch for me with the Wicker Man as well. So, um, wow. Was, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was, All right. Let's let's first. I mean, we should have started with our our main premise uh, to get us started here, right? Is um, I, I think the exact wording might be different in your you know prognostications of what we should be doing in a podcast here and there. But would you rather? So my question to you after you you sent me a message about right before this, how you needed to finish your Chipotle, which <laughs> I don't know if that was a joke or your sarcasm, like just bubbling through before we have this debate on a podcast but my thought was would you rather eat chipotle every day for the rest of your life or kill yourself right now oh wow i was just, just thinking that's yeah. a that's a tough conundrum right there considering yeah. i just ate chipotle and i might i might die from it so yeah uh, <laughs> i think you might i mean have you used your chipotle away spray oh no i i can i get that mm. on amazon is it yeah, it's a South Park centered okay. uh, joke slash. There probably does exist a South uh, a, a version of it somewhere, but uh, <laughs> you should watch the episode. Um, it's very fun, entertaining. I will. I will. And and just as a, a forewarning, you know this. I, I just got done with a six mile tempo run for all the six runners who are going to watch this out there, including nice. us. Um, so I'm still coming down off of you know being hot. So anyway. Wicker Man versus Planet of the Apes. Who wants to go first? I went first last week, which seemingly is an episode that maybe you don't want to drop, but nonetheless, I would love to have a bonus material out there somewhere. But the you know, I went first, so why don't you go first? I can go first. So, um, like I said, I had Planet of the Apes. Um, I'm going to just start with this real quick. Todd, man has no understanding. He can be taught a few simple tricks, nothing more. I'm. Uh, so, Planet of the Apes is uh, a science fiction movie that came out in 1968. Uh, it follows the um, these three astronauts that crash land um, on a distant planet. They were in a spaceship for uh, quite a while. They ha even had to go into sleep chambers to dilute the dilute time as they uh, traveled across the universe, and they crash land on this planet. And you have the lead actor, Char Charlton Heston, uh, leads this group of uh, astronauts uh, across 
cavernous deserts and 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 what have you. And you're you're just you're kind of on this on this planet with them, and they're they're trying to figure out what's what's going on, where they are, when they are, and um, they they find. Well, first we see um, they jump into a lake and they swim around, and their 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 clothes start getting taken. And when I first saw this, I was like, "Oh, those are those are the those are the apes. The apes are, are stealing their clothes." But why? And later you find out they kind of go out, and it's a bunch of humans. They look like prehistoric humans that have stolen the clothes, and they're in the fields. And um, all of a sudden, you hear the, the the soundtrack come on, and that's when you get the money shot of these apes on horses running after them, chasing them, hurting them. Yeah, it's a great shot. It's a great shot. Great shot. And great background. Was, and uh, and then you find out that they are on the planet of the apes and they, these astronauts get mixed in with these humans that are, you know, sub, I guess the, the subhuman of the apes, they're, they're, they're in captivity and, and, and it's, uh, they get captured and it's a whole, uh, a whole, um, adventure with, or yeah, Charlton Heston gets captured. He gets shot in the throat and he can't speak. I was I was so surprised at that crucial, that, that crucial crucial part crucial part he he crucial he, crucial because, element yeah yeah because the the humans on that planet um, they're not very ironically speak English <laughs> yes yeah no, they, I mean it has it has been two thousand thirty one years to be specific but I found it interesting that they still spoke English but then if you think about two thousand years ago we also still spoke English here that's true that's true. Um, but also, to a matter of fact, if you don't know the twist ending and stuff like that, you know, they're on a distant planet and these creatures speak English and write English perfectly. But I guess, you know, <laughs> science fiction in 1968, you, you can suspend your disbelief a little bit on that. Uh, that yeah. Um, I, um, not, uh, I, I was hoping just to chime in uh, from time no, to time. Chime in. Yeah, absolutely. This is what this should be. I, I love, uh, not to get into the debate just yet or whatever it might be, but like, I love this like decade or even like multiple decades, even before I would say probably sometime in the eighties sound editing became a little um, more hypersensitive to where things were matching up a little better. But I love for both of these movies. I love the fact, and one of my favorite movies, the Holy mountain, which is uh, Alejandro Hodorowski is tattooed on my arm in the same time period. They, for whatever it's worth, and you could probably do the production value and the production quality or lack thereof. I love how nothing matches up. So you have like a horse visually, horse hoof, like hitting the ground, or you think it's hitting the ground. And then like, clearly a half second later, the sound hits your ears, you know? Uh, yeah. And I, I love it. I, I honestly <laughs> really truly enjoy or have enjoyed both movies in the time period because I've been watching... To be honest, uh, frequently watching The Office where the sound is, you know, impeccably done. Uh, and then, you know, every movie now is like to a T. I like it and enjoy it when uh, I would prefer, actually, if some movies were to kind of go back to that. It's a little rough like around the edges. Chasm. It's well, it's yeah, nice. It's, yeah, it is nice. It's yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. Um, I mean, the, the, the movie, you know, it was made in 1968. Sci-fi. Um, was coming off of a decade where everything was super campy, um, invaders from outer yeah. space and things like that. Uh, but recently that came out right before this was 2001 A Space Odyssey, which kind of just blew people's minds, right? Um, and then this comes out right after that. So people are a little bit more 
willing to give sci-fi movies uh, a, a chance in, in the mainstream and also the intellectual debate of like, what does this mean? Which I think Planet of the yeah. Apes has a lot to say about that. Um, but also it, the it, sociological like moments here of like Vietnam and just the sociological, I mean, this is a year before the Manson murders, for example, um, a lot was going on a lot in the country. So having a movie like this and being dropped in the middle of, you know, after 2001, contrary to what I just said previous about audio, not really matching up. I mean, that movie is about as impeccable as you can possibly have. It's Kubrick. Not, I mean, only, what... not only like scientifically of like, even like Neil deGrasse Tyson would be like, yeah, kind of did his homework <laughs> on that one. Checks out. <laughs> Whereas Planet of the Apes, Neil deGrasse Tyson is like, eh, they're not going to be jumping into the lake water immediately without yeah. checking it. Would they? Oh, they did. Oh, yeah. well. And then, oh, look at the size of their boat. Oh, that's interesting. It's going to fit three people. Uh, yeah. But anyway, fascinating um, uh, time period to drop this movie, I would say. Also, yeah. Also, uh, people were very still kind of worried about the bomb and, and you know, mankind destroying itself uh, was very prevalent in, you know, what this movie was about, the overall theme. So uh, all of those kind of things add up to the time period when people saw it and, um, you know, it just made it that much greater. Um, but anyways, with the moving forward with the plot, Charlton Heston gets captured. He can't speak. He gets put in a cage like an animal. Um, there's also an, uh, another uh, human in a cage that's very beautiful. Um, that, it's very attractive. Uh, yeah. I didn't know. How, I, I totally forgot how attractive she was. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but he's in a cage. Um, and the funny thing is, is, you know, there's there's this ape society you have. Um, you know, uh, uh, structures of, of, of government and science and things like that. And the, 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 the scientific ape really wants to, to, to discover, you know, to discover bright eyes is what she calls them. Bright eyes. Yeah. And um, he's, you know, he's trying to communicate and um, <laughs> it's, it's just a great, great uh, tension. And overall as a, as a movie girl, you're like, I just, if he can just speak and t- tell him who he is. And then he yeah. does speak and he tells him who he is. Well, this is the first thing he says. Ministry of Science. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. <laughs> so that's not the that's not the best you know introduction you want to have uh, with with the uh, the do- the dominant species of that that um, uh, that planet. But he does get to you know uh, get to have a. a a tribunal or a trial to tell him to, you know, to convince the, 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 the higher ups in the ape, uh, the judge, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that scene from what I hear is actually mostly ad libbed and it's, it's just a, uh, they won that. It oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 It was mostly a, a non-scripted event where people actually just kind of moved off each other. I love that. Cause it's, it's a good scene. It's great. It's great. And um, he tries to convince, you know, he's like, I had a, uh, uh, you know, a fellow astronaut that was, that was with me. He, he was, he was captured in the, in the raid, uh, you know, and then they take him outside and show him the, the other, the other astronaut. He has got this big scar on his head and they're doing scientific research on him. You know, they're trying to figure out what, 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 because what these guys know. Um, and yeah. there's a, there's a lot definitely... of serious implications that uh, go back to our own history. Yeah. Of course, of course. And it was just, it was really, really um, enlightening to see, uh, you know, how, how they put these kind of, these 
social, uh, you know, what was going on at the time in the sixties, you know, with um, Martin Luther King and segregation and, you know, yeah. what, what now they're, they're flipping and they're, they're putting a, a white man in a cage and they're spraying him with a hose. And, and it's just, you know, these images at that time had to just shock audiences, right. Yeah. It had to be just kind of mind blowing. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, they, 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 uh, or Charlton Heston escapes with the help of uh, the scientific, the scientist uh, apes and, you know, they go, uh, to the forbidden zone and in that forbidden zone um you know they they find a cave and that's when the other apes come on and and, and try and stop them and they why don't, they why, f- don't why don't we give some more back i can do you want to give some background about the forbidden zone it's, it's um i don't know if you want to give a little more details on it but imagine as the name nomenclature is stated the Forbidden Zone is kind of that area, and the best ex- explanation I can think of immediately is like a Tarkovsky stalker film, where there is a, literally a Forbidden Zone as well, and of which like there are guides who can guide you in, in and out of that zone. Um, I think it's similarly like that, but it, this is more of a Forbidden Zone, and I don't want to get to the spoiler to ruin any debate you might be having here. But I found it interesting that a n- not many people know about it, b or not many not many people have gone there, I should say. Um, or are fearful for whatever reason, as you can probably indicate, uh, why that forbidden zone should not be seen. Kind of, it kind of reminds me of the movie. It kind of reminds me of the movie The Village, where you know, don't oh yeah, go, perfect example. Don't don't yeah. go deep into the forest. Well, the reason why they're telling you that is because you're going to find something out that we don't want you to know. And yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not necessarily dangerous. It's dangerous because the knowledge that you're going to get hit with is going to upend what we've tried to build as a society, and they don't want that. They want to totally. they want to keep yeah they want to keep them exactly where they are in that that state. So, uh, but yeah, they 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 go to the forbidden zone. They go into a cave. They find uh, spectacles, dentures, uh, a heart valve, and a baby doll, and you know all of these things that uh, you know. I was, I was reading something that. <laughs> especially like the glasses, the heart valve, the dentures, like all these things that are, you know, show that man is uh, fragile and that it's, yeah. he's, he's not strong. And um, it, it was kind of, we all was, need baby dolls. We all need baby dolls. Yeah. To comfort us. That still work after 2031 years, by the way. Well, you I know, mean, it's like, yeah, it's a little, strange. little sound box. That... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how does this, yeah. How does this work after 2000 years? It's like, come on. Like, especially now, and now, hey, like, there's no way. I, I have so many dolls upstairs that don't work after six hours. Do you have I a have doll from? That, do you have a doll from 1965 that I, they they made dolls better back then? You know what I mean? Did they make dolls better in two thousand two thousand years ago though? I mean, well, I don't. I, I, you see I, dolls, can't, they don't make noises. I can't test that hypothesis, John. I you know I don't have a time machine. Let me go so. back in my time machine that I bought from the Planet of the Apes guy down the street, and I'll let you know how that goes. How okay. That? All right. You let me know. Um, so he finally, finally, you know, uh, get to escape down the beach. Um, and this whole shot, it's very drawn out, right? They're, they're riding these yeah. horses, him and Nova riding horses. Is this near the horse. Forbidden Zone? This That's is on the moment. Yeah, this is in the Forbidden This is on the beach of the Forbidden okay. Zone. Okay. Got it. Yeah, they, uh, but he wants to find out, you know, he wants to find out what's going on, what planet he is on and wants answers. Yeah, yeah. And then you have that, that final shot of, it just kind of peers back and you don't, you don't see the Statue of Liberty. You just see the, 
the crown. Yeah. And it's a high yeah, yeah. shot and him on the beach and there's no music. It's just the waves yeah, yeah. crashing on the ocean. Yep. And he just, he gets down on his knees and he yells out, you know, damn you, damn you, what a hell. Now, is he, is he yelling, <laughs> is he yelling to the apes or is he yelling to humankind of like, you destroyed, you had everything and you destroyed it. Yep. And now look what it is. And that yep. twist, I mean, obviously I knew the twist going in because Planet of the Apes has been in our, 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 you know, our culture for a long time, but it still hit me really hard. And it still, it still was profound because of the buildup to it and the little breadcrumbs that they kind of sprinkled throughout, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, like it's, it was just, uh, here's another breadcrumb at the beginning of the movie. Yours. I can't help thinking somewhere in the universe, there has to be something better than man. Has to be. Yeah. <laughs> and is there? I don't know. Maybe. But my, well, my favorite quote of the whole movie is human see, human do, which you were almost at that point of playing uh, when you played your, I think, the first clip or second clip. Um, yeah. But the human, the human, for the monkey see, monkey do, but the human see, human do. Yeah. yeah I, yeah. I actually, uh, most of the lines that are humorous, um, I only found this out after, of course, doing this. Um, were written in and reshot, sometimes in Arizona, sometimes not, but like they were reshot uh, to add humor to the flick, uh, the film. And so I actually laughed hysterically. Like I, I actually thought Planet of the Apes was more of a comedy than anything. Because when they were when they were going through trying to find, I was hoping you would like go a little more into detail about actually them being captured. I loved how not only did they just jump in the water and boats, the boat that they got on the lifeboat is barely fit. It's like the size of this desk. It's hilariously small. And then the, the cars in the 60s were the size of homes now. They were humongous. So they didn't think, hey, <laughs> just do it like the boat like, or do it like what we have at home kind of thing. Uh, well, they, they, interesting. they even had another astronaut, the only female uh, that died on the ship because her the glass cracked. I mean, think about this. So they were going to put four people on that little lifeboat and, and she was supposed to be the one to help populate. So the, she was basically... Yeah, she was the one and only, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's 1968 for you, I guess. You can't have... the, po the point is, I, I'm getting off topic already, but like, I love I loved, uh, how the apes, because everything is... is um, they're devolving, more or less. In the sense of like humans, we think we're and we're anthropomorphizing also chimps. We used to be chimps, now we're chimps again, uh, or a, you know that's what we think may have happened, but maybe it's a, a sundry things. But uh, we're, we've devolved effectively into chimps again. May yeah, I don't know if that's possible. Science people that probably watch this are like he's an idiot. Uh, correct. But I love how they they everything in the movie is kind of I don't know if it's purposeful on the effort of of the director um, and how they found the humans to begin with, not only them being the humans that, or the astronauts and humans that, that are there, they use these long canes with these like the sticks that, that came out. So it's like, uh, imagine this long stick and they're just like hitting the, the corn manually while they're like sprinting through as well as riding horses through these, uh, like, I don't know, you know what to call it, corn fields. Um, and it looks so uh, just and an antiquated to some extent, which, I was just laughing hysterically, but before that happened, the astronauts, after they get out of the lake and their clothes were taken, I could not stop laughing um, as they saw the other 
the humans that couldn't speak English, who they have devolved into, I guess. And they're out in the open, standing up, watching them in a nearby field, nearby, very nearby, and are just like, not going to take cover. And they're not going to be like, we should probably fucking hide because we don't that know. What's us. We, found, yeah. we found a flower that's cool and all. Let's uproot this for whatever reason. I didn't, whatever happened to that flower, who knows? Also, there are three days of food on their backpacks. Strange. Uh, but nonetheless, I found it hilarious. They're like, hey, look at those humans doing human things like us. They didn't think like, we should probably watch them and observe them just for maybe a split second and try to understand. What, I mean, Charlton Heston's character was very, um, I, I think he had a big ego because what did he say? He's like, and and three days we'll be running this place or whatever it was. But that's we'll so Charlton Heston in like every movie. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Just like, he's a man. I and I don't think, I mean, you know, there was a couple of other actors that were considered for the part, but I think having him as the lead was a perfect choice. Like I could yeah. like Marlon Brando was offered the part. Yeah. I couldn't see it. You know, it's it's got to be Charlton Heston, and he gave gravitas towards this this movie with a bunch of you know actors and uh, heavy makeup that that, that could have been corny, but I mean the makeup was great. Yeah. So I think Charlton Heston as as the 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 t- the top billing was um, was a perfect choice. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, surprisingly, I um, I think the the rating for this was G. Which oh, wow. um, makes sense, but because uh, I, I started thinking about it after watching Wicker Man first, and I was like, "Yeah, that, that, make, that makes a lot more sense considering the fact of all the ridiculousness that happened there." But overall, I mean, what were your thoughts even after coming in, knowing what's going to happen? I don't know if you know or have seen the. By the way, the the Statue of Liberty actually is not, of course, digital. It's a it's a matte painting yeah like yeah, uh, painting. like the background of star wars when they actually like um have drawn in all like the stormtroopers um very similar um which i found extremely fascinating because any anytime that actually happens if you see and they've done that in uh, i think the two towers um lord of the rings as well as in a ton of other movies i always find it interesting when you see the, the images of them utilizing those paintings or pictures or drawings or whatever it might be. And like the back, the backdrop of it. Cause like, you know, it's like this tall and the way they, they <laughs> yeah. it, it's really cool. But like the way they, they shot it in 68, it, it actually looked terrific. I thought. Um, that was, it was fantastic. Yeah. But, I mean, what, what was your thought? Like even coming in in that, that moment um, of being like, Holy shit, this is pretty powerful or whatever you, you whatever you I, thought. I think what, what I, what I got from it and what I thought, at that moment, it was it was the buildup because I really got immersed in the world that they created. Uh, it just it 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 felt real. It you know the 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 ape structures and the, the the buildings and everything like that, and just like the world building was so good that it made you suspend your disbelief that yeah they're they're they crash landed on this this planet that is run by apes. And you you see that and you believe it and you kind of try and put yourself into the shoes of like, you know, I was a first time moviegoer, but without knowing what the ending is. And um, yeah. it still hits you. It still hits you pretty hard. I mean, it's 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 a powerful image. And what what they chose as the image to to be is the Statue of Liberty. 
right? What does that yeah, symbol the best, mean? The best choice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's the best choice. They like, could have done a... the, the Eiffel Tower, but Statue of Liberty is more powerful in my view. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Because so, it's, it's a human. It's a human. It's what it represents, what, mm-hmm. what, what, it, you know, what human humans gave up because they're, they're no longer the dominant species. So they don't have that Liberty anymore. They don't, they're not in the land of the freedom. It's the land of the apes, yeah. the planet of the apes. Yeah. And it just, it was, it was a perfect allegory, perfect symbol, perfect, perfect ending to a movie. I bet, you know, walking out of the theater in 1968, you just had to be like, Oh my, what did I just see? Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, uh, I mean, it's, you know, there's varieties of replicated movies uh, being created now, probably still even in production. But um, what are your thoughts on the new? I, I, I don't know if we should go on to the, the next, the next slide. Well, I, just, I, I wanted to, I wanted to just bring up one more point that this, this movie was yeah. primarily written by Rod Sterling, who was um, one of the creators yep. and writers of the twilight zone. And yep. th- this movie feels like just a, a, a magnum opus of what a twilight zone episode could be. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you ever watched the Twilight Zone as a kid growing I have, up or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it had those those beats and those feelings and, and those kind of twists that you you, you kind of you like when you watch those, uh, those, those episodes. So there that's are my... so many Twilight Zone shows like oh, yeah. I, I think they actually recently got added either to Prime or Netflix like five about five years ago. And I remember thinking. I watched like four in a row and I was like, I'm going to watch all of them. And then I, I looked at like the Wikipedia. I was like, I'm done now. They made like, a I can't do this. This is just, just not going to yeah. work. But some of them are like, um, some of them are, are, are more or less somebody who got really, really high back in the day and was like, I'm just going to write this up. Your, your boy, your director here um, probably just got mad high and came up with planet of the apes. I think that's what happened here. Honestly. Well it, was ba- well, it was based on a book, um, the 1963 yeah. novel, uh, yeah. but they, that they adapted, but yeah, I mean, he's, it, he took his own direction and the, the, that wasn't the twist in the book. The, the, the book twist was quite different that you couldn't really film because it, it was, uh, it had to be on paper. It couldn't be visual. So that's your Liberty uh, almost didn't exist actually that scene. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that actually was added later. That that wasn't going to happen. Um, now, I, I don't have an answer of what actually was, but in my short amount of information that I have tried to review, um, that wasn't actually going to be the shot. Um, I don't know what was good. Shot, no, but that's I don't know. But it's good flick, though. Good flick. Good flick. All right, you, you're up. Yeah, what would you rate it out of 10? We had to do it one out of 10. All right, is this like one Chipotle, two Chipotles? I mean, what <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, or is it, are we going to do like a Rotten Tomatoes? How are we going to, or IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes? What do you want to choose here? I would do a Rotten Tomatoes. It's more my, my speed. Um, okay. so percentage wise, it's definitely fresh. It's definitely in the upper, upper eighties. I'd say that's that this movie is an 86% Stephen Tomatoes. You almost hit the – isn't, isn't it 87% on Rotten Tomatoes? I mean you could, oh, have, just, the 80, you could have just gone I, with the 87. I didn't look it, I didn't look it up, well, is it? Really? Let's say it's 86, 86.8 and we have to round up and you, you think it's an 87. Not to sway you in the direction of your own swing. Um, so I, I love Planet of the Apes. I mean I'm the one that chose it for you. So 
There's that. Yeah. Uh, very enjoyable. I found it hilarious. Um, as somebody who was a sociology, I have my master's in sociology. I found it extremely fascinating and interesting, especially if you give the backdrop to the time period for which it actually existed. 1968 was a very fascinating time. I mean, Woodstock the next year, and it was uh, in the midst of very, very reputable and good movies as well as direction. Um, but it tried its best to think of something new while also challenging, I guess, the notions of, of society at, at large uh, in ways in which now they seem rather simplistic because we're comparing like audio is not matching up, or at least I am, and things are funny. But like things, if you really thought about it and asked people such as my mother when she watched it, um, she was who was also a sociology uh, major back in college, but like very hyper focused um, on challenging, I guess, the notions of that we kind of hold true to ourselves and who we are as humans, generally speaking. Because, I mean, honestly, when you really think about it, we anthropomorphize everything. And it's so funny that like, we came from chimps and then the, the, the furthest we can get to is like, oh, chimps are now back. <laughs> the, the, the dominant force. It's like we can't even think that creatively. But anyway, I loved it. Um, give it a high grade myself. But we might as well go to my movie. Yeah, it's your turn. Uh, let's discuss, yeah. uh, you know, the, the kind of the plot of uh, The Wicker Man. Yeah, not to define how you even construct this or you want to go about this. I prefer, if you can, to if you add any details or you want questions. Um, if I don't know these things, then I'm not going to know them. But I would love your participation. So, of course, Wicker Man. Wicker Man. Um, I don't want to say it's the first of its kind, but it's it's one of the first of its kind. Um, it's completely. I don't want to poison the well either. I would say it's rewritten the genre of horror so much so that it's actually created its own subgenre of, of folk horror and when this movie came out for a variety of reasons a lot of people actually did want it banned primarily rod stewart who was the uh boyfriend at the time of uh of brit Eklund, who plays willow strangely enough in the movie a lot of people actually uh have names of trees and or uh vegetables and fruits and things of that nature but Rod was very upset because it actually, and I'm getting way off topic, took 13 hours to shoot the nude scene for which she is in. So he was very upset um, that Where she's uh, dancing and banging the walls and trying to seduce through plywood. 13 hours. So directed by Robin Hart. Robin Hardy. Yes, exactly. For five minutes. Yes, it's excessive. Robin Hardy, uh, it's his directorial debut. Um, to be frank, I don't think he, what a debut. Opinion, he, yeah, I don't think he's really done anything outside of the spectrum or guys of Wicker Man. I think it's kind of those one hit wonder came out of the door and was like, "I'm good for life," kind of thing. <laughs> Tried to to redo the Wicker Man later on, and just it, I think it hit eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But yeah, ninety eight minutes, good. Robin Hardy, nineteen seventy uh, a three, uh, some some places nineteen seventy four. Uh, but generally speaking, in the early 70s, it came out. Uh, it's rated R for a ton of reasons, um, both on the murderous side, both on the, I mean, pretty much energy side. Pretty much everything across the board of like a 1973 of like what things would make a movie R rated. You can pretty much add Wicker Man to that list. Uh, but it is full core. It got 90% of Rotten Tomatoes. It had a very low budget, about $500,000. 
Of which, fun fact for you here, none was given or provided to Christopher Lee, who is the main, I would say, named actor in yeah. the movie. Christopher Lee from Lord of the Rings and a variety of other things. Who had, by the way, acted for at least, I want to say like 24 years before this. This um, is his big break. And Well, he had, he had a lot of movies before this, but like... Right. He was, he was amped. He was like completely focused on how good of a story this was so much so that during the shooting, he was like no money. And afterwards, um, afterwards, my, my battery is at 5%. Strangely enough. I don't know. Oh no. Impossible. Yeah. I will try my best to fix this. You Uh, want to pause? I can pause. Sure. Is that that's just all music? Yeah, that's just gonna help me edit. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, it's funny when you're in the midst of war, you, you got to be prepared, as I just said to you offline. But um, not not prepared. Clearly, can't even plug in a a battery here. So yeah, a directorial debut debut. And by the way, the box office for um, Planet of the Apes was I think five and a half million. I don't know. How much. No, the, the 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 cost of the movie was five and a half million. The box office was over thirty million. Oh, was it? Okay. Apologies. Yeah, yeah they um, made their money. But yeah, speaking of Wicker Man making money, uh, it was about equal, 500 to 500, and uh, that was that, even not having to pay Christopher Lee. But in essence, as I said before, the introduction to the movie itself is it feels slow going, but it also seal, seems to me at the time of watching it, and already had watched it before, but very imperfectly perfect and that is like a the best way i can explain it in the sense that everything here happens for a reason everything here is this fatalistic uh move toward i don't want to say enlightenment but whatever is going to happen feels like it's going to happen at every every doom direction doom or fate and the structure of it the movie itself both on a musical side and on a like cinematography, for example, is just creepy. Um, what? Yeah. What? I was I was surprised on my first watch about how you watched it twice. Well, <laughs> how? Well, my very first watch. Um, how that this was a musical. I had no idea that. Yeah, yeah. And it's not the you know it's not the singing in the rain kind of musical where they bust out. It's it's all built into the the the, the scenes. The movie and, itself. The movie and the film. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And it, and it adds, it adds, you know, this kind of creepiness, but like I said, world building to it as well. And, and, and that folk horror genre. And it was very, very, uh, very cool to see that. Yeah. The composer is a uh, very similar name, similarly named than your, one of your favorite actors, Paul Giamatti, his name is Paul Giovanni. And um, ah. he, he also kind of went out on top and was like, I did Wicker Man and, we're done. <laughs> like kind of thing. Peace. He's like, yeah, he's, he's like, I'm out. It's funny. This movie is just uh, outside of Christopher Lee. Really. It's, it's um, the director, the composer, and pretty much everyone besides Christopher Lee was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. This I'm, I'm affected possibly. <laughs> so not to make light of the situation, but D- Sergeant Howie, I think his name is, his first name is Neil um, or Howie. I can't remember exactly. Howie. But, yeah. He, he actually goes to this island where Rowan Morrison is a missing child. And 
I think it was seven to eight months prior. And essentially there was a letter written uh, that came into uh, the cop's uh, office and he wanted to look more into the details of why this, this child went missing. So he travels to the island via plane, which is a very crucial element later on in the film um, for a variety of reasons, but I guess we can get into the spoilers immediately. But he goes in search of this child and is completely dead set that the child is basically going to be sacrificed. And as he goes on throughout the entirety of this film, and at 16 minutes in, we have our first like nude scene where he walks out of a bar and quite literally there's in a graveyard, no, like <laughs> of all places, let's look, how creepy can we possibly like make this immediately in a graveyard? There's probably a dozen people just having sex and just, just looking at them him being the sergeant and looking at themselves and he's he's not know, just a, he's just kind of, he's not just a sergeant he's deeply religious and and christianity which well, i think plays a big part well that's that's a major part of it uh not only is he a christian but he is a virgin and so he mm -hmm. has yet to have sex with anyone he's getting married to his uh his fiance very shortly after i don't i don't remember the time period but um Nudity at 16 minutes was the immediate thing. But the, the, the thing that I actually felt about the film initially was just the intonation and feeling of it. Like when he gets on the boat and the shot on the boat after he gets to the island and, and it's, it's going with the waves. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, that was my, and I don't know if this is going to be our definition of like the moment I, where this film was already encapsulated, but it was early on for me where the feeling was set. And uh, to me, it was like that waking life moment of this is it. Like, I know what's going to happen. So maybe that aided to my understanding of it. But maybe I look back and I was like, that, that was the moment for me where it was like this fate of the waves are, uh -huh. are just bringing us ultimately to the shore. And that shore is filled with rocks and you're going to die. And that's <laughs> that's where I, it, it put the, it put that feeling in me. And I think it would probably put that feeling in you of like something is about to happen. And it may not oh, be definitely. something is going to happen eventually. And it's not going to be good from any perspective. And so I immediately noticed that. I mean, first of all, it had been like at least 15 to 20 years since I've seen the film. So I remember almost nothing. My movie memory is like dog shit. But him exiting the bar and trying to interact with people to try to get information. Everyone on the island is making his job incredibly hard it's impossible for him to do his job and so nobody is helping him he he finally sits down stays uh at a hotel kind of a hotel effectively and next door to him is is uh brit eklund who was a swedish supermodel at the time also the uh, girlfriend to rod stewart the, that rod stewart who i was saying that basically he did not want this film to be released anywhere because she was Doing weird things, uh, or yeah. interesting things, dancing and trying to chorus through musical, by the way. Uh, and I also thought it was it was a musical off the bat. Uh, it was like, and I have in my notes, like musical, 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 like what is happening here? Yeah. Um, but it was, it was fascinating. So it sets the tone immediately off the bat and it never relents. It always has that same energy. I would say towards the end, there's an escalation of that same feeling, but it's still the same feeling. And I think it goes hand in hand with who, how he is. So I don't want to get to the finale before getting, you know, the legs to get there, but I almost need to, uh, to get there just to, to 
to provide exactly what I'm trying to say. But I, I felt like, I don't know if you've ever seen Twin Peaks, but like the first episode of Twin Peaks of like that, like something's going to happen feel, that's how I, I kind of felt throughout uh, the movie itself. But ultimately, it, was, it, goes, and it goes throughout the, yeah. It was like this uneasiness the whole time. And like, like what you said with your uh, waking life moment, when you're on a boat and it just keeps going back and forth, back and forth, up and down, you, you feel uneasy, you feel motion sickness, you feel, you know, that kind of like, what, what is happening? What's going on? And that, like, like that is the definition of that tone of the film, which is spot on. I mean, it was, it was really, you know, you're, you're, you're following this, I guess, is he the hero? I don't know, but you're following the sergeant, um, trying to, trying to find uh, a missing girl. And at every stop he's getting, he's, you know, he's not getting the the answers that he needs or wants. And um, it's like the, the whole town is against him. Yeah. Is the whole town against him? They are, uh, they are, they are at this point. Um, And the music is so infectious with feeling kind of like star Wars would be, I guess, to some extent, not the best example, but like John Williams is able, any any of his movies, like in Jaws or um, whatever it might be, is able to, give you a feeling. And I think this composer was able to, to match the feeling of what the director was trying to do with like how the audience should actually be affected when watching. And I, I think the music uh, was jarred, at least for me um, initially at 23 minutes when there's that jaw harp, I had to look this up to see what musical instrument it was, but it was like, oh, yeah. Kind of yeah. Thing. And I was like, I had, I don't think I had ever heard that before. And then I was like, was that in deliverance? Cause that may have been, but that was, it was a separate thing. But I was like, that was the moment where things after the nude scene first happened, it was seven minutes later, it started to get, be like, okay, this has got legs of weirdness, but like what's actually going to happen. And then you're just like, mine's blown. I didn't know that was going to happen. But anyway, it go time goes on and continues to go on in the same manner where, you know, the Howie goes into um, to speak with the head teacher and then the head teacher who he's asking information for regarding uh, the missing child, Rowan, and um, there's no information off the bat and ask the children who there's like a full classroom with one desk missing, I should add. And nobody uh, is offering up information about the child. Well, so, it comes down to it. Go ahead. This is, this is my, uh, this is my waking life moment here sure. where, where, where he's in the classroom and he points to the empty desk and uh, right. there's a girl sitting next to the desk. He opens it up. And what do you see? Yeah. A beetle around yeah. a, uh, around a, uh, a little String. nail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little old beetle goes round and round, always the same way you see, until it ends up right up tight to the nail. Poor old thing. <laughs> Poor old thing. Just like Howie. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. Just like, yeah. and, but, yes. but also into that same, same respect, you know, Howie is definitely that beetle because he just keeps going round and round and round and he's gonna, he's gonna end up, you know, to meet his doom. But also, what do we see right before that scene is all of these kids around a maypole going round and round yeah. and round. And it's yeah. both of their, both of their, I guess, you know, you have your paganism, you have your Christianity, and they're both very, you know, they both believe these things so deeply. Yeah. Is that going to, is that going to end them up? Are they going to have a famine next year? And what's going to happen then? Yeah, so yeah. it's. And the, tr- and the tree being the phallic symbol, which they enunciate <laughs> to each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, which is interesting. I, I, yeah, I did not have that lesson in third grade. Um, 
I had that in second. Uh, went to so, five, so you know, you know, we had gotcha. to get that earlier. Also from Florida, so there's that. Um, by the way, I wanted to I wanted to actually mention uh, randomly getting off track, but for a good reason. I actually um, did some slight review before providing you a, a, a movie, The Planet of the Apes, but the triple times they actually mentioned Fort Wayne, Indiana. Right, I, I forgot to bring that up, but I was for, yeah. so for the listeners out there. I, uh, I I used to live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I went to high school in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, I'm not from Indiana, but I, I did live there for uh, a while in my childhood. And to hear that Charlton Heston was from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he mentioned it several times, that gave me a certain sense of joy, pride, and like, why did they choose Fort Wayne, Indiana out of all yeah. the places? Yeah, I was like. I know one person from there ever. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised there's not like a big statue of like a big, you know, gorilla. Ape. Ape. <laughs> yeah. And Fort, and Fort Wayne, Indiana, just kind of saying, Hey, <laughs> you got put on the map. Right. right exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what's we famous? Need to build one. Well, Charlton Heston actually talked about us in Planet of the Apes, the original. Yeah. Oh, okay. Stephen Ray is also <laughs> from here. Kind of. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, interesting, interesting tidbit. But the movie goes on, and slowly but surely, the audience and through the director, who did a fantastic job of slowly moving, I guess, yeah, to use your your metaphor, slowly ratcheting down what you think is actually going to happen to Howie or to the the child who happens to be missing. And his understanding is he is going to save her from sacrifice because eventually he realizes um, that, A, this, this island is nuts. And so this, this pagan ritual uh, community, they're out of their minds, all of them. And, you know, people are just having sex in graveyards. People are uh, allegedly killing each other. They, they bury bodies, which happen to have, like, you know, rabbits in them, as well as taking the skin. Hairs. It's a hair. And add, sorry, and adding it to trees, and that each tree is basically associated with a, a human that has passed away. So everything is to him very different than his Christian upbringing. And keep in mind, he's he is a virgin, and he's not wildly religious in the sense of like you can see it on screen, but it's very prevalent throughout the entirety of, of the movie itself. And I guess ultimately, it continues on this notion where he realizes and sees a picture of Rowan and, and which was actually a crucial element in choosing him as the community has uh, choosing him and the person he is. He's a virgin, he's a Christian and uh, a man. He's an officer of the King. And as, as, as well as the fact that he's able to produce pictures uh, or develop pictures, which was one of the rules, strange rule. I found odd that that would be one of the rules that would satisfy their obligation to choosing the right person. Hey, um, I don't understand paganism as much as how he does. So. I guess not. But nonetheless, he gets to the point where he develops the picture. And as he developed the picture, it's kind of like the aha moment of what's actually happening. Rowan is in the picture. She existed, maybe still exists. Uh, and at least that's what he thinks. And there's going to be a sacrifice. Lastly, May Day is happening, which is the day that their celebration exists in which they do all of their interactions with, you know, their pagan gods and deities, I should say, in hopes that fruits of their labor actually result in fruits and vegetables and produce for the following. For the harvest. And so, in essence, he thinks that's the day. 
that something is going to go down, that Rowan is going to be sacrificed to, to these deities. And so he actually, to get back up, goes into his plane. He, it's a water plane. And so as he, he hops on, um, the language from the person who rows his boat to, to drop him off into the plane is very crucial if you actually review it. And he was like, you know, uh, have you seen anyone messing with my plane? Basically, he goes, nope, I haven't seen anyone. And it's like, because I did it. It's <laughs> really what he's trying to say. No, didn't see anyone come by, but I did it. <laughs> so it's it's by that point, in that same moment, you have half the town in masks, in, in animal masks that are peering, it's, that are all peering over uh, so this creepy. small embankment of a, I don't know what to call it, like a stone fence. And that's when the music is starting to set. And you're like, this is starting to get, like, what's going to happen? Like, th- this child is clearly going to be sacrificed and then my, my thought, and or twisted thought, I guess, to some extent, is like, is it going to work? Like, are they actually going to have, like, apples next year? Because, like, I looked up, Scotland is not, like, really pronounced for apples. And, like, no. they're not very good with apples. And also, there's a scene in the bar earlier where he is being provided a tin fruit cup. So, like, <laughs> they're really, like, the, the director's, like, really trying to make it known of, like, hey. There's no, there's no fresh produce. We don't have anything here, guys. So I, I, I also found that like super fascinating. And uh, ultimately, his plane doesn't work because old boy on the, the boat, you know, affected it. And then uh, he's like, hey, come back here, pick me up. Gets picked up and then begins the process of, of figuring out the ending for himself. And at that moment, he still thinks um, he's not a fool. He's a Christian uh, man trying to uphold the law, which to some extent, I guess he is. But the trap at that point was more or less set. And so ultimately he finds himself on land again, which wasn't far away from, from the ship and follows a man who's in a, uh, a costume as everyone is uh, dressing up for May day and follows him to this, this party and then decides that for, uh, for the husband of Willow, he is going to beat him up um, after he takes a quick nap, by the way. And <laughs> With, with a severed hand waking him up that's lit on fire. Interesting little caveat. Takes that hand and, and smacks somebody in the face with it, which I found hilarious. And ultimately takes somebody's costume who has a mask and joins the crowd. It's Clearly, an important choice of the costume, yeah. Yeah, McGregor is, yeah. is the man's name who is the husband to uh, Willow. And, yeah, the, the jester. And so the fool. He, the fool yeah and so he actually more or less has fulfilled his obligation to the island um to be what they exactly thought he was going to be and this is the moment where i think uh looking back after knowing what actually happened uh, and i guess i can't get to the point but i wonder how he was chosen because there's no delineation of like how like they don't have a plane they don't have a plane to go to mainland to see who he is and research him I, and things of that nature. I so think, I, I found that interesting I, of like, or a plot gap that was like, Hmm. I, maybe they, maybe it's, it's how something many versions that, do you know that are like 35 or whatever. I mean, he looks like he's 80. I'm sorry. He's like, say he's 30. He looks pretty old and he's a virgin Christian. Maybe in 1973, there was more of these humans, but it's an interesting little tidbit. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Follows the man, knocks him out. Ties him up, joins the crowd. They're on the merry way, dancing, singing. The music is creepy. 
but very, very eloquent. And they get to the point of a cliff. And in that cliff, um, they're having a ceremony to find out who's who to some extent. And who's, you know, uh, there's knives basically under your neck. And as I don't know the actual tradition itself of why they'd be doing this, but um, they're cutting off each other's heads. Uh, and it's a scene. And so somebody uh, goes one by one and people are good. And McGregor, who is Sergeant Howie, gets in there and you were thinking, is he going to get his head chopped off? I don't know. I mean, I, I bet he wish. I bet he wish he did at that point. Looking I mean, back, and then back, and then he uh, he he didn't get his head chopped off. But uh, immediately after that, he finds Rowan tied up down near the cliff. Lets her go. She seems like she's losing it, and he thinks he's just solved the biggest mystery in the, on earth. And everyone basically comes to him and says, "You're fucked," more or less. Like you when she goes up, yeah. When she, like, when she goes up and no, gives a hug to Christopher Lee, we're we're gonna tell you how fucked you are. And so, like, literally for the next ten minutes, everyone is reiterating how stupid of a sergeant who is supposed to be in effect, like, in effect, like an intelligent journalist to some extent. And they literally tell him, "Yeah, you're going to die right here, right now." You are the fool, clearly a fool, after doing all of this. And then this is where you go back to that boat of that fatalism. It's like clearly this this moment is this feeling is intricated, not only in the music, it's not only intricate like inter, like so intertwined in the music, the directing, but also just the feeling itself of watching everything unfold. And you're like, I frankly did not feel bad for Sergeant Howie. I was like, this is this is at this point, this is your bad. Uh, sorry to say it, but you know, this I didn't feel bad for him either. I felt like he, again, he was that beetle just going, going around, 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 and he, he wound himself up and he didn't have to, but he did it because he yeah. couldn't understand these, these pagans, these people. And he not, not necessarily wanted to, I mean, he did. He well, he did want to influence them with his Christianity. By, I mean, by, the, by that one scene, he broke a, a couple sticks and made a cross and set made it there. A cross out of it. Yeah, yeah. And even when he was, you know, at the end, he's he's trying to yell Bible verses and things like that, and it just, you know, it was well, a, little, end, so a little too late. He he gets stabbed after uh, a large man holds him, and the entirety of the crowd is basically just giddy. They're excited because his his sacrificial lamb which there also is sacrificial lamb in the wicker man and of and what a spoiler alert, alert by the way the poster of the movie itself is literally the wicker man on fire um and so like clearly you, you may not know what's actually going to happen but pretty good intimation so they put him after being stabbed into this large man-like creature uh that is made of wood that actually has lambs and other animals in it and um it's just straight kingling and as prideful as he is, and as foolish also as he is, and Christian as he is, not to say that those three are together, but like he is just belting out Bible verses. But he at first was like, no, no, no. And then he's like so prideful that he's like, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to, my Christianity is, is going to take precedent over your pagan rituals and it's going to save me. And I found that to be the most foolish of, of the entirety of the movie itself for him. And lastly, I, I thought the Wicker Man itself, the actual 
on structure. Fire. Structure was hilarious because a fool always loses his head first, and the, the wicker man itself, when it burned, lost its head first, which makes sense because fire, right? Ah. And it lost they lost its head, and I was like, I don't know if that was meant, but uh, that was that was a pretty good, um, pretty good nod to what they were trying to do. But I, I found I found the movie hilarious but also extremely sentimentally creepy uh, just the the game of the hunter now being the hunted i found yeah fascinating and it, it created two new genres one of folk horror like where midsummer would be the the, the greatest explanation of like a follow-up movie to it and also like the influence it influenced even music to today like radiohead is highly influenced by the wicker man as well as just the genre of like psychedelic folk to begin with. It actually started like a new subgenre too there. So it actually created um, just a lot of like new ideas, I would say, um, which is, it's rare. Um, yeah. But I feel like he, he was the opposite of like in the Odyssey with the sirens. He, he just didn't tie himself to a pole. Like he needed to tie himself to a pole. And he just didn't. And he had every he had every available chance to do so, and he never did. He always looked the other way, and was just like Christian Christianity is going to win the win the day, and I'm going to find him. And then, now would you would you consider would you consider this a this a horror movie or or a thriller? I'm kind of I'm kind of not on the not on the whole fence. I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's a thriller. Um, a thriller would be like or not a thriller, like a mystery. Pelican Brief. I'm thinking horror. mystery. I mean, since it's everyday life for these individuals, I wouldn't say necessarily it's a horror, but like, what is Texas Chainsaw Massacre? If that's like your everyday life as well, or like, what is like, I'm it's the second time I'm bringing up Charles Manson, but like reading a book called Chaos uh, and the various law enforcement places or entities with, with Charles Manson. But um, like, I mean, is that, is that horror? I mean, I would clearly say yes, but like it is, uh, it's their everyday life. And it's also their everyday life, although it's, you know, the morality of it is stretched very, very far of killing an actual human. But if you if they think that's what should be done to help that entire community and they that person has been chosen. Clearly, I mean, it's wrong, but is it horror? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it is just a thriller. Or a mystery. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was totally intrigued by this movie. I thought that the uh, the. The themes of you know Christianity versus paganism and the 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 kind of the outsider in this town uh, where everyone is against you, yeah, everyone's trying to fool you. Everyone's not giving you. It's just it was it, that adds a layer to I guess the horror of it because you know to be in his shoes and not have anybody on your side, but people aren't being mean to you. Yeah, they're not. They're, not. they're, they're and- just guiding you along. It's funny because like, from a pagan perspective, he got to be uh, he got to be God for a day. Like he's he's now yeah. you know available to to bring produce uh, to the island that may or may not happen. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I like the <laughs> the very end of the movie. It actually says it the best, I think, where um, it pans away and like you have just like this most horrific scene of this man just like burning to death and screaming and just just. <laughs> Just terrible, horrendous scene. After everything, with, with people all around him, kind of dancing. holding hands in a in a yeah. "We Are the World" kind of, yeah. <laughs> just smiling and literally dancing, as if their obli- their their goal was achieved. 
Because, like, if you really think about it, of everything that actually had to happen to get to that point to begin with, pretty monumental. I mean, so well done. Like, well done, Island. You did excellent in achieving your, your goal. And uh, I'd be very curious to see by the director uh, later if there's some interviews to see if, like, you know, if they help the, pro- the produce of the island. I don't know. To harvest. I mean, Christopher Lee said it best when he said, Come. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. And he kept his appointment. Boy, did he. Yeah, boy, did he. But I I love the fact that he realized, at the very end, he actually realized, uh, Sergeant Howie, he's like, yeah, that was pretty foolish. Yep. Uh, He's almost like congratulatory. Like, well done. You guys tricked me very well you can see it's just like you psychopaths but wow that was i don't know what to say he's like dumbfounded um yeah, i mean because he was like he's like the 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 police will come in they'll they'll come to try to find me and you'll all be arrested for murder <laughs> and he, they're like they won't find you <laughs> yeah, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> you think we went through all of this for them to find you <laughs> right <laughs> So what's better? What's that's a good that's a good question. I mean, you know, when you sent me that message uh, after we kind of we kind of watched the movies or whatever, and you said like, you know, ones it's like comparing these things like ones like a Toy Story and ones like an Exorcist, you know. And I kind of thought that thought about that for the minute, and I'm like, well, you're kind of right. Like, you know, I guess Planet of the Apes would be this, you know, a little bit more mass appeal. Uh, It spun off a bunch of sequels. It, you know, it had, um, you know. Uh, it was a little bit more family friendly, whereas um, uh, the Wicker Man is is a little scary. It's horrific. Yeah. It has a horrific ending. It's a little bit more. It's definitely more adult themes. Um, so yeah, I, I like that comparison there. But I also found the two movies in in a in a way, at, at least in like kind of the setup, very similar. You have Charlton Heston, you know crash landing in water into a form you know, a, a different, different land. You have this police officer landing in water, going to this different land of the unknown and you follow their adventure into the, this, this big unraveling mystery of what's going on. You know what I mean? Like it had that yeah. very, very kind of similar set of very different story and themes and everything like that. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was kind of cool watching them back to back in a, in a, in a double showing that way. I mean, that's how I watched it. I watched Wicker Man and immediately after watched uh, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I did in first order. The the same day. Um, Yeah. Weird, strange notes for that that matter, some of which they didn't make sense at all. Like (laughs) One of of my notes um, for Planet of the Apes, I believe, which just has to be read because it's just like so absurdly ridiculous, is... um, you will always learn from the crazies if you're able to listen through the loudspeakers and into the music. And I still have no idea what that means, but uh, if anyone does, feel free to, to let me know what I meant in this random moment. But <laughs> you got so what? I mean, what's better? I mean, this is where I guess would be be crucial. Uh, I think they're extremely, extremely distinct movies. Um, but after after watching both, for me and like reviewing both and how other critics and people, you know, articles were written about them and music was written about it. Um, 
initially I thought Planet of the Apes was like far and away a better better movie, like generally across the board. But there was like I don't know. <laughs> I love the the plot holes in both, um, but I felt like Planet of the Apes was. Uh, it was just a hilarious like letdown to some extent in the sense of um, just so it was just, it was just funny. Whereas I wanted it to be a little more serious, but in 1968, I don't think you probably maybe be uh, as serious as you wanted to, to, you know, how, how well, how well done are the costumes going to be back then? Well, that's the thing. I mean, so the, I actually, I watched a documentary documentary this morning um, uh, called, um, and, making apes is like making yeah. the planet of the apes. And it was basically all about the, uh, the, the makeup that went into making the film. And it's the, the most uh, a film has ever spent to this oh, day, wow. inflated dollars on yeah. the makeup process. Um, it basically, John Chambers was the head makeup artist. He started his career um, in Chicago um, not in film, but he would help uh, World War II veterans who, you know, huh. lost pieces of limbs or pieces of their face. And he would help build, you know, something that would cover that up. And he's yeah. like, hey, I could apply this to, you know, to my interest face. in movie, movies in Hollywood. And it yeah, was the your, perfect. Huh? Your face. My face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But he uh, he went to Hollywood. He um, joined up, and he he was uh, he was you know highly highly sought after for these special effects makeups and makeup, and it was very very intense on on how they had to uh, apply the makeup every single day. And he actually he was the first person to ever win an Oscar. They didn't even have a makeup category in 1969. They basically gave him an honorary Oscar for makeup because it was that important it was i mean basically in this in this documentary they said what what sound was to silent film makeup was to you know the planet of the apes like moving forward it it just changed the game and you know that that impact is huge um you know obviously by today's standards it doesn't it doesn't look as i mean we're we're in the world of cgi and things like that but as a practical effect and like I said, I was immersed in that world. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think when judging these movies, we can judge, you know, um, script, we judge makeup, we judge acting. Um, but I think in this episode, we have to judge the twist, right? Yeah. Which, which, which was, which was the bigger, the bigger, uh, the bigger twist. And I think sitting in a theater in 1968 and seeing that this whole time we were on Earth, it just blows my mind. Yeah, the the scene with the Statue of Liberty, um, which is precisely why I chose this, um, is mind blowing. It's it's wild to, to think that <clears throat> Charlton Charlton Heston, like at the time, like I I also thought was funny, like in his reaction, <laughs> it was just pretty funny, like just pounding. It's sand. a little overboard, like you know, pounding the- sand. Uh, which was just, I don't know, the, the heavy handed, I guess was not, was not lost on me. Um, but I do think that the influence, and I, I have to always go back to the repetition of it. And we answer, and while the, I think cinematography, I was far superior in Planet of the Apes, but I think the impact of Wicker Man was far superior for a variety of reasons, not influentially to create new genres, but, um, any replication of that is outside of Midsummer, which is a vastly different film. Um, it really hasn't been replicated since. So it's really a one of a one. 
And I think Planet of the Apes is easily, like you can make a thousand of them. And I'm not saying that that dilutes the 1968 version. Um, and I'm just speaking to general sense of the reception of a film. But the fact of the matter is, in terms of a twist ending, I would say objectively Wicker Man is less of a twist because I felt it coming, even though I had seen the movie before. And the moment, and to me, there was no intimation in Planet of the Apes that this was like Earth in any capacity. Um, although there were a lot of input Bread throughout crumbs. the movie, such as There's breadcrumbs. Orion and things of that nature. But like, you know, unless you're extremely astute to understand the stars and where you were, which by the way, I think there were actually planes in uh, the sky, uh, but which is hilarious. Um, I think in terms of a twist, an actual twist, um, Planet of the Apes was a bigger twist than me seeing the Statue of Liberty. Um, overall, after watching it, I think the influential impact of Wicker Man is, is, to me, as a human watching films, uh, is greater. But I think to, the, the, to society at large, if you actually talk to people who were around and watched that film when, when it came out, it was massively impactful to them. And not 100%. only sociological ways, but like mind-blowing ways of, I did not know this type of movie could ever exist. Like, full stop. And I think that's separate uh, in and of itself, and this is more of my own opinion, but I do think Wicker Man, if I had to watch something again, I would watch Wicker Man. Um, primarily because Me too. I, just thought, I, just thought, I just thought Planet of the Apes was like hysterical. It was just so funny, some of the... Like the prodding, for example, when they're like locked away in like chimp jail, like jails a zoo, and they're like treating humans as they would do a chimp in a zoo, and it's just like this is so funny. Um, yeah, but in, in it, terms it, of like twist, twist ending, I would say Planet of the Apes. Um, and next think, time, I'm, I'm going to give you something that's more difficult. <laughs> I, I think the really was like, old oh boy, uh, I'm going to do, and, and then you're like, you shouldn't do your favorite movies, and I was like, well. It'd be fun to talk about. I think not right off the bat. I think we got to build to that because I think we got to figure out uh, this this format, and I feel like we got to get our footing a little bit before we dive into some of our things that are really near and dear to our heart. Um, I think it'll like just twist make endings it... <laughs> and I... you know guilty pleasure movies, <laughs> dear and dear to our heart. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we... this has been you know. fun. Uh, next time we need a guest, but that's you know. If anyone wants yeah. to, I was thinking, by the way, I was thinking, and we should probably um, at some point cut this off. I was thinking that if we can't find a guest, we can have a special AI guest and we can train that AI guest to actually choose, uh, you know, we can guide it to be like, what's a better twist ending movie between Planet of the Apes and Wicker Man? And then but the it, I mean, would be shown. We got we got it. No, we got to get real guests. AI, you know, it's gonna be. It could be partial to you or something like that. If you, you know, feed it certain things, I don't. I don't know about that. <laughs> That's absurd. That is yeah. ridiculous. Um, well, this has been fun. Until next week, and I mean, I guess do we do we discuss next week's episode at all, or do we just sign off from here? Yeah. So uh, stay tuned for next week, uh, dear listeners. Um, we are going to be <laughs> dear listener. <laughs> We're going to be Hi, discussing Mom. guilty pleasures this time, though. There's a twist. 
I am not giving Jonathan a film. He is not giving me a film. We are choosing our own guilty pleasures. Um, and we will uh, discuss and uh, elaborate more on those movies. Uh, you can follow us on our socials at sceneweekly.com, sceneweekly. Scene um, and we will post uh, a couple of those movies that we'll be talking about. Stay tuned. And if you have comments, questions, uh, you can email us at admin at sceneweekly.com, but you can also just message us on all social media platforms outside of Facebook, strangely. Somebody needs to create that. Uh, dear listener, mom, get on that, please. Anyway, until next time. All right, I'm going I'm to play some outro music. music. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape.